It's the 49th running of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. It's such an amazing thing to see all these people just running down the street all at the same time. 60,000 runners. Running releases a lot of endorphins. It's euphoric. 3,500 volunteers. And it's just fun high-fiving all the people when they run by. 6.2 miles. I'm not too concerned about being the first in. I just don't want to be the last one. All on the 4th of July. I'm there every year. Let's get you ready. This is the Peachtree Podcast. The official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Thanks for joining us for another week here on the Peachtree Podcast. July 4th is getting closer. And uh, here with Jay Holder, I'm Jennifer Perry. We're ready for this race. At least I hope you are, Jay. <laughs> uh, you know, are you ever really ready? Are you, I mean, when you're standing on that starting line, there's got to be just a little bit of doubt that creeps in your head. But guess what? If you've made it this far, you're ready to run the world's largest 10K. And, and we're ready to welcome you to that finish line. It's really exciting these last two weeks as the city starts to really get into Peachtree mode. You drive around now, you see the pole banners that say, AJC Peachtree Road Race on them. You're going to start to see some of the structures going up in Piedmont Park and and at the start line. It's a great time of year in Atlanta. And uh, I remember back to my very first Peachtree, Jay, that's when I was starting out as a runner. I wasn't too sure of the course, so I went out there on a weekend and I ran the course. There was actually water stops along the way, so there's there's a lot of different ways that you can train in these weeks leading up to Peachtree. Yeah, we've got water stops on the course on Saturdays and there are volunteers out there passing out water as people run down Peachtree toward that turn onto 10th Street. And if you can't make it over to Peachtree, Anytime you can go out and run in the humidity and the heat and maybe throw in a hill or two, a downhill and an uphill, both really important, is good to capitalize on over these next couple of weeks. But it's really important, and one of our guests today will get into that, to not overdo it. I mean, at this point, the hay's in the barn. As long as you have been doing the training, logging the miles, you're ready to go. And you got to really be careful to make sure that you're not doing too much and maybe developing an injury or stressing your body too much before the big race. I had one of those days this week, Jay, where I woke up and I felt like I was a 90-year-old crawling out of bed. So I'm looking forward to hearing from him a little bit later on today's show. Also, we have last year's second place women's finisher with us. Sarah Pagano is going to be one of those to watch this year, isn't she? Yeah, we said last year when she signed up for the race that she could be in contention for the win. And she's for two years in a row now been the runner-up of the U.S. 10-kilometer championships. She was runner-up last year here at Peachtree, and she's on a bit of a hot streak right now. So we'll talk to her about her plans to maybe claim her first ever U.S. road title. And then our last guest on today's episode will be someone who is uh, new to Atlanta, but she's not new to her social media followers. She's actually become a YouTube star and she's been journaling her journey to Peachtree for us. Her videos are so entertaining, Jay. Yeah, we're talking about Emma Abrahamson who ran collegiately for the University of Oregon and she moved here to Atlanta to take a job in the world of track and field, but not be a runner. And she said, I've got to train for this AJC Peachtree Road Race. And like she does with everything else in her life, she decided to chronicle it on video on YouTube. And it's been quite the hit with about 20,000 people watching each of these videos of her training. And something happened along the way uh, that might surprise you based on what she said over the last couple of months about her own running. First up on the Peachtree Podcast today is a doctor who's going to help us with our performance and our recovery from our upcoming race. He does this for patients every single day at Georgia Sports Chiropractic, and you can find him in the medical tents on race day. He's actually been with the race for quite a while, right, Jay? Yeah, Dr. Josh Glass tends to the elite athletes, the fast ones who come across that finish line first. When they finish their journey from Lennox Mall to Piedmont Park, 
he's the guy that makes sure they're feeling okay after the race, but he's got a lot of things that he does with those elite athletes that are applicable to all 60,000 people in the race. And Josh, you're just back from out West where you came back home with an NCAA title. Well, the team came back with a title, um, the University of Georgia, that is. I was happy to help them, especially since it's my alma mater. So it was fun to, to be with them and Eugene. But um, I'm glad to be back helping all the Georgia and, and Atlanta runners get ready for Peachtree. So I imagine right now you're in the prep phase and your office is really busy with not just those elite athletes, but but anybody who runs or walks the Peachtree coming in to get those final tune-ups. What are you seeing a lot of right now? Well, it's a variety, but regardless of the person's state of training, they're probably increasing what they're doing. And so they're, they're getting some wear and tear is what I like to call it. You know, they're getting um, some tight muscles, sore, stiff joints, maybe some tendons that are talking to them. They all fit into the category of overuse injury, meaning you're just doing the same activity quicker than your body can recover from it. So what we're trying to do is help these runners and walkers um, recover from the wear and tear of running before it turns into an actual injury. Ideally, I want a runner or a walker to beat themselves up equally. I want to keep their strides nice, nice and normal and smooth. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're trying to help all these little ailments that might be uh, cropping up um, at this point in the training um, and, and also prevent any future ones from happening. With a little over two weeks left to go to a race day when this podcast drops, it's not too late to get an injury tended to. It's not too late to take a couple of days off and still be in shape to race on July 4th. It definitely. What I you know, encourage any, any runner to keep in mind is in the, the final weeks leading up to the race, they're not going to get that much fitter, but they can certainly do damage. So I'm a big believer in, in making errors on the side of caution. So if it means cutting back on training and doing extra stuff for recovery or cross training, it usually uh, pays off. What, what I want for every runner and walker is for them to get on the starting line and be healthy. What's no good is to get to the starting line of Peachtree and be really fit and hurt. Well, that's a good point there, Josh, because I think you get to a big race like Peachtree, and if you are dealing with an injury, sometimes you think, okay, maybe I can push through this injury and get through this race, but how do you decide whether to actually go out there and try that race or if you need to give your body some time to heal? Well, the uh, golden rule that I apply to this is if you are going to limp or favor at all, change your stride, then you shouldn't run. Okay. It just, it's, it's, you're only going to create more problems with that injury or in the worst case scenario, you're going to initiate another one. So that's the first rule of thumb. And I think there's a point of diminished returns with training through pain. If your stride's getting shorter and shorter, if your pace is dropping off, then again, that's a time to back off. So I, I'd certainly, you know, I think it's basically just you put it in the category of listen to your body. And if, if your body's telling you that something's not right, you, you don't want to just keep you know, running as far and as fast as you can and see what happens. And then ideally, you want to have a plan of what can you do on your own to try and help with whatever areas and feeling good. Yeah, what are some of those things? I know, obviously, you know, if they've got something serious going on or something that seems like it's going to be serious, the best thing is to come in and see you. But what are some things people can do at home to ensure that that doesn't crop up over these couple of weeks? Well, all this stuff falls under having a recovery plan. And, you know, all of us as runners, we're good at the training part. We go, okay, I want to get faster. I want to get better. So I'm going to run this many miles. I'm going to do this workout. But I always want runners to, to put just as much emphasis on what do they do um, for recovery. And to me, recovery is everything you do from when you finish one run until you do the next. And so, I mean, I think stretching is one that I always like to talk about because you shorten and tighten your muscles with running. You don't want them to cool down in a, in a short state. So doing some nice, easy stretching after you run is helpful. Um, 
working on making sure you're doing something for core strength can also help you. I mean, nutrition and hydration also fall into recovery. And to me, the most overlooked one for everybody, especially uh, fathers with young children at home, is your hours of sleep. Really emphasizing that, keeping track of it, just doing extra of the little things will go a long way. But if you don't have a plan, if you don't write it down, if you don't keep track of it, usually most of us just do the training and the recovery stuff falls through the cracks. I know you and I both know about that with the young kids. Let's talk race day. So after the race, it's the elites. It's the guys running 27, 28 minutes and the, the women running 31, 32 minutes who come to see you. But the problems they're feeling or the pains they're feeling after running a 10K can't be that much different than what everybody else is feeling. No, it's the same thing. We've all got the same muscles, tendons, joints, ligaments, and we're beating them up. And a lot of it goes to how hard are they pushing themselves. I mean, so I've done the elite tent since 2004, and I've been around the Peachtree for a long time. And for the elites, honestly, it's, it is the one thing that's different is the better the weather, the more issues we have with the elites because they're almost able to push themselves that much harder. Huh. I mean, if it's really hot, anybody's going to have issues. Us normal citizens, the hotter weather is what gives more issues for post race stuff. Most of us, when we cross that finish line, we don't get to go into a, an area where we get a massage, we get we get some post-race work. So what can the other 59,920 runners do right after the race to make sure that they wake up feeling at least a little bit better the next morning? Is there going to the whatever big balloon where they the letter to meet their friends and family as they're standing around, they can stretch out a little bit. Um, I think self-massage, particularly using a foam roller, to help loosen up some of the trigger points and, and have them stretch out better is good. If you have an area that's hurting them, then applying ice for 15 or 20 minutes is good, not directly on the skin, a thin shirt or a towel between it. But um, that, that stretching, self-massage, and icing are, are up there and you can get some you know, good nutrition in. Good tips there, Josh. And as far as our running journey overall, let's talk about this because we've talked to a number of elite runners here on the Peachtree Podcast. Some are approaching their 40s or already in their 40s, and they've obviously made it through decades now running at a very fast pace. So what lessons can we learn from them too in terms of extending our running longevity and really taking care of our bodies over the long haul so we can continue enjoying this sport for years to come? Yeah, I mean, I think it's amazing that we've seen these professional athletes and just everyday runners that do it longer and longer and, and enjoy it through the, the spectrum of their running career. What we can learn is kind of what I talked about previously. The better your plan is, the better your routine and system, your habits are, the better you're going to hold up. Bernard Lagat's one of my favorite runners that I've worked with throughout his career, and he's, he's kind of you know, the, the every man that we all aspire to be, and that he's still running his some of his best times as a master's runner. And and it's been, it was interesting to see Bernard as he increased his mileage, as he went to longer distances, as he got older, he got better and better about what he did for recovery. Um, to me, the most important thing is the daily routine. Now, getting treatment is an additional bonus to help you recover more. If you're increasing your mileage, if you're training for a longer race, then seeing a sports chiropractor, a sports massage therapist, a physical therapist can also get you some additional recovery, but nothing beats that daily routine and, and having those, those habits that, that help your body adapt and, and recover from the training. Bernard Legat, uh, we talked to him last year on the Peachtree Podcast, and he will be back again in 2018 to not compete for the Masters title, and he shattered the American Masters record last year. Actually, the Masters record overall last year. He's competing for the win, uh, and that's just a testament to, to how strong he still is right beyond the age of 43. It'll be fun to have him back. He wants to beat the kids. That would be fun to see. But uh, any other secrets that you see among these elite athletes that we can apply to our running, Josh? 
there are no secrets. It's doing little things and doing them well. You keep it simple. I've never been a big proponent of finding that one magical thing. But I encourage people to to write down what it is they are going to do on a daily basis. You know, they write. most people write down, all right, I'm going to run this far, I'm going to run this pace. So I want to write down, I'm going to work on stretching these muscles. I'm going to get this many hours of sleep. So make yourself a little more accountable and do the little things and do them well. Well, you mentioned that you help with Bernard. He's one of our favorites here on the Peachtree Podcast. But I'm not asking you to brag, but I am going to ask you to brag here. What other names have you worked with in the elite world? And how are you planning to help them, especially with the uh, trials coming here to Atlanta in two years? I've been lucky to work with a lot of great runners. In Atlanta, in the past, I've done a lot more with sprinters and jumpers and hurdlers. Um, so for the upcoming Peachtree, I'm trying to think of who we have. Jared Ward is one of my favorite athletes I've worked with. He was on the, the marathon team for Rio. Um, so I got to work with him leading up to the games and then there. Who else do we have coming, Jay? The great fields are men's field. Uh, Bernard, you mentioned. Jared, you mentioned. Have you worked with Tyler Pennell? Yeah, I know, I know his coach for a while. I've worked a little bit with Tyler. Abdi, Chris Derrick. I think you've worked with both of them. But yeah, I'd be along for a long time. So I'll be happy to help anybody that, that needs it. Um, and it. And it will be really exciting. And, and it, I feel like it's a countdown from now until the trials. I was, I was at the LA Olympic uh, Marathon trials working with a couple people. So it'll be exciting to see these athletes. It's going to be really exciting to see all our Atlanta Track Club elite athletes that are already qualified and hopefully have a few more join the list and help them along the way. And when it comes up to that big day of uh, racing through the streets of Atlanta. Well, obviously you're there at the finish line to help treat these runners, but uh, what about your own love of running? Do you do this yourself and do you feel like you miss out by not being able to do the Peachtree? Oh, I did. I, I ran my first Peachtree, I think in like 1986 and I did it for a lot of years uh, until then. I mean, I love running. I'll do it every day I possibly can. Um, I prefer running on the Chattahoochee River trails and getting off the roads. One day I'll, I'll get back to doing uh serious workouts and, and try and give Jay a run for his money. But right now I just <laughs> run for enjoyment and uh, wherever I'm traveling in the country and the world, I'll, I'll always get a run in. Well, I don't get to run it either. So we'll have to have that little somewhere outside <laughs> of the beach street. But I do want to elaborate on something I said at the top of the interview. You uh, do work with the University of Georgia track and field team. And uh, whether you want to take any credit or not, I'm sure you played a, a key role in their women's team winning the indoor NCAA title and the University of Georgia men win the outdoor trophy this year. So as a dog, congratulations. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. It was, I mean, I love helping athletes of all levels. I mean, I, my daily routine is with everyday runners. And that's always going to be my passion. The Olympics are, and the professionals are fun, but getting to help my alma mater where I competed was uh, a whole different level of special and, it was the, the coaches and the staff and the athletes did great. I don't want any credit or blame, but it was really fun to be there. And uh, Almost you know, had the double for the women. Really close. <laughs> yes, very, very close. And the girls did amazing. A couple of them didn't quite perform like they wanted. A couple stepped up. But they're uh, definitely the best combined program in the country. And from the perspective of the track and field world, uh, the University of Georgia and, and Athens are going to be sending some pretty incredible runners that will be going on to the Olympic level and competing for medals in the future. So it's, it's really fun to see kind of the, the progression and it, you know, how they're going to go from this NCAA championships on. Josh, if somebody needs to make a last minute appointment, if they can get squeezed in, how do they find you? They can call my office at 404-872-4878 um, and they can get all their information at georgiasportschiropractic.com. Well, Josh Glass, thanks so much for joining us here on the Peachtree Podcast. Oh, sure thing. Enjoy talking with you guys and, uh, 
any questions that come up from your listeners, I'm happy to uh, answer them anytime. Know that PNC Bank supports you before and after the finish line with PNC Virtual Wallet. Get all the details at pnc.com slash virtual wallet. PNC Bank, proud sponsor of the AJC Peachtree Road Race, PNC Bank National Association member FDIC. All right, Jay, if history is any indication here, our next guest on the Peachtree podcast today will be one to watch on July 4th. Yeah, for sure. Sarah Pagano made her Peachtree debut last year and finished second, but it wasn't her first time finishing second in the U.S. 10K championships. It was the second year in a row, and Sarah joining us now from Brighton, Massachusetts. And Sarah, third time, maybe a charm? Yeah, perhaps. We're looking forward to July 4th for sure. Yeah, you put up a fight last year and and really stuck with Alephine a lot longer than most of the field. What did you learn about the course racing here last year? I just remember just being the straight road for whatever, maybe five and a half miles and then the left turn all the way to the straightaway. What sticks out in my mind is those hills towards the second half of the race. And I actually kind of fell back from the group of three or four women on those hills, but I made sure I could see, keep them in uh, striking distance and was able to catch them towards the end before the turn. And then I could still see Alephine uh, ahead. So I, I kept my eyes on them for sure. Yeah, just watching your season this year, I know you, you recently won the Fryhoffers around a 5K in Albany, and you were in third with about 1,000 meters to go and then closed in a pretty incredible 253 for the last 1,000. And if you know Peachtree, that last 1,000 meters is key. Is working on your finishing kick been something you've been doing in the last year or so? For sure. I think I've been working more on the speed side of things. Uh, This year, I did some 3Ks this indoor. I haven't done an indoor season since college, so this is the first time I kind of stepped back down in distance and focusing on that 5K, which is a little more 3K, which is a little more speedy for me, which I definitely think helps more towards the 10K um, and that finish. Looking back at last year's second place finish here in Atlanta, Sarah, is there anything you wish you would have done differently or any adaptation you're going to make to your strategy for this year's race? I think just remembering that I can run with everyone in this race and just reminding myself to stay strong and stay in that pack for longer maybe than I did last year and just remember my strength on those hills and not kind of back off when I thought I couldn't hang. So that's going to kind of what I'm going to try to remember going into this year. I want to touch a little bit on confidence and your progression as a runner, because I know that you're easily considered one of the top 5K, 10K road runners in the country right now. But when you were at Syracuse, you were a great runner, but your best finish at NCAAs was seventh. And that was in your fifth year. So you really, that evolution has happened very quickly. So mentally, how has that, what does that progress look like for you to go from a good runner to really somebody that's always in, in the hunt for the win? Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with just consistency and just staying healthy and staying strong over the years I think mentally is the biggest switch for me trying to focus on reminding myself that I can be in that front pack and just not thinking of myself as an underdog as much and just remembering that I belong there and I want to be there and I've worked hard to be there so that's kind of been the switch for me focusing on that. But you have to feel pretty good after your win in Albany. I mean, you're kind of on a little hot streak right now. So what do you feel about your chances coming up on July 4th, Sarah? Yeah, for sure. Um, I have 
one more race before this um, in Des Moines um, on the track for the U.S. Championships there, and then looking forward to Peachtree too. Um, I've been feeling really good and strong racing on the track, so I'm hoping that that speed will um, translate over to the roads at Peachtree. For people who just run Peachtree every year, and and that's a lot of our field has never run a 10K on the track, and they but they run this 10K every year at the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Explain to the everyday runner the difference mentally and physically between that 25 lap race and that one turn race that is a road race. On the track, it's a little bit more, you have the feedback of the clock every lap. You kind of know what pace you're on. You have this monotony of of the track and the times and the splits, and you kind of know what's going on at all times. And then when you're running Peachtree, you just know you have that straight road and you can kind of just get a feel and get an, you have to try to get in a rhythm on your own, which I kind of like. I like being able to compete with whoever's around you, kind of getting a feel. You have those hills, so it breaks it up a little bit more. And then as soon as you turn onto that, that left turn on that street, you know you're almost done. You could see the finish line. Well, as an elite runner, Sarah, what is a typical training day like for you? I know most of us are just trying to squeeze in runs between work, family, all those other obligations, but what's a typical day like for an elite runner like yourself? Yeah, I have the, um, I guess, luxury to have all the time, but we basically have practice in the mornings. Every Tuesday, Friday, I have a workout, essentially, and it usually leads me to the track or to a trail for a tempo, and usually meet around nine with my team. And then following that, we have a lifting session, strength session in the gym. And then later in the day, I am going out for a second run or a second training session, stretching, um, focusing on mobility and strength um, are big things. And yeah, so I definitely am lucky to be able to have that time to focus on the smaller things on a day-to-day basis. And in terms of your teammates, does it help having people to train with or are you better on your own out there? Absolutely. I really appreciate having teammates uh, here in Boston. It's it's great. There are a bunch of teams, actually. So um, we're lucky to be surrounded by people doing the same thing every day. To see other people out there working just as hard is uh, really encouraging for me. But yeah, my teammates are really special to me because they're able to push me past what I think I could do. So. As someone with Northeast roots from New Jersey, went to school in Syracuse, living in Boston, how do you prepare for a race, a 10K race in Atlanta in the beginning of July? Um, Yeah, so that is the tough part. We do the best we can do here. It doesn't really get that warm until, you know, right around now. But luckily, we're having some 90 degree days coming up here soon. So hopefully working out in those will be beneficial enough, but (laughs) we'll see. It's always a tough transition. Certainly. And uh, as far as your visit to Atlanta, you've been here before and I was listening to your training schedule there and I was exhausted just by that, Sarah, but will you make some time for some fun things while you're here? Absolutely. I actually have a friend that just moved to Atlanta within the past year. So I'm excited to see her and meet up with her. I know that you're running for an organization known for its marquee race, which is the marathon. We have the marathon trials here. You've Focused on the 5K, 10K, I know you've run half marathons. Are any longer distances in your future? Or are you still focusing on, on the mid-distance stuff right now? Um, right now, I'm still focusing on the mid-distance stuff, but I definitely have that in my future, just 
Probably not for 2020. <laughs> not for 2020. <laughs> Understandable. Well, Sarah, we're looking forward to seeing you on July 4th, hopefully at the front of the pack. You'll have 60,000 of us right behind you rooting you on. <laughs> Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Sarah. You're welcome. Sarah Pagano, one of the elite runners joining us here on July 4th. And uh, how's that part of the race shaping up, Jay? Always a really exciting part. We're just putting the finishing touches on the field of men and women who will compete for the U.S. 10-kilometer title. And Sarah Pagano, certainly, as we said, one of the contenders, along with Alephine Tillimuk, who won last year, who we've talked to here on the podcast. Emily Sisson, a great road racer on our women's list. Sarah Hall, we've talked to on the podcast. One notable withdrawal on the men's side, uh, Leonard Career, our defending champion. He sounded like he was really ready. I know he was really excited to come back here, but... He hasn't quite made the recovery he had hoped, and he won't be here to defend his title. Sad news for us, sad news for Lenny. The good news is we'll be crowning a first-time AJC Peachtree Road Race champion. No one in the field has won the race before, so whoever wins on the men's side is going to be a first-timer, and that's a great field. Chris Derrick, who we're going to talk to next week, the U.S. Half Marathon champion. Bernard Lagat, who we've talked about on this podcast before. Abdi Abdurrahman, who we've had. Tyler Pennell, who we've had on the show. A really great list of men racing for the title, and as I said, it will be the first time for whoever wins. That'll be fun to watch on July 4th, and best wishes to Lenny with his recovery. Peachtree Podcast brought to you by Delta. With Delta, fly towards something better with the help of 80,000 employees who do everything they can to help you explore what's possible. Your next opportunity is a flight away with service to the most destinations nonstop from Atlanta. Delta is the official airline of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Delta, keep climbing. Imagine having thousands of people watch as you train for the AJC Peachtree Road Race. That's what our next guest is doing today here on the Peachtree Podcast. She actually has quite the YouTube following and she's new to Atlanta, right, Jay? Recently moved to Atlanta from Oregon, uh, where she ran at the University of Oregon. Moved here thinking maybe she's not going to run too much anymore, but was going to try out this thing called the AJC Peachtree Road Race that she had heard about (laughs) and decided to chronicle her training on YouTube. And this is not just any old YouTube video. It's getting up to 20,000 views per video because Emma Abrahamson has built quite the following on YouTube. And she joins us now from her new home in Atlanta. And Emma, welcome to Atlanta, first of all. Thank you. Thanks for having me on this podcast too. And the warm welcoming to Atlanta Track Club. Yeah, of course. So that's the other thing we'll talk about in a little bit that Emma, who had moved here and decided, you said, you know, I'm done with my competitive running days after a great college career, great high school career, and just recently decided, you know what, maybe maybe that's not the case. But we'll talk about that in a second. I first want to talk about you were West Coast girl, grew up in California, went to school in Eugene. How did you end up in Atlanta, Georgia at the age of 21? It was honestly very random, but I got recruited basically for a job out here, and I'm a pretty big risk taker when it comes to, you know, spontaneous life decisions like that, so I thought, you know, might as well give it a shot. I didn't really know many people out here, so it was definitely a risk, but it has been a very warm welcoming, so it's been really exciting so far. I didn't know you were moving here until somebody sent me a YouTube video, and it was you saying that you're training for Peachtree. And I thought, well, we got to (laughs) connect. How did you decide to train for Peachtree so soon after you moved to Atlanta? Well, honestly, I didn't really know I was moving to Atlanta until probably maybe two months until I moved here. And I, you know, announced it on my YouTube channel that I was one, done with college running and two, moving to Atlanta. 
and people kept mentioning this race called Peachtree. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And then, you know, I looked a little bit more into it and I saw that it was this huge 10K road race that people said nothing but positive things about. And it was something that I just had to look forward to over the next couple of months and stay in a little bit of shape, as best of shape as I can and train for it a little bit more and get more involved in the running community because I know that's huge out here. So just get involved in the Atlanta running community. I want to talk a little bit about your YouTube channel. It's really gained a lot of popularity. How did you fall into this? How did this all start? (laughs) Honestly, it was probably almost a year ago now. And one day I was in Eugene for the summer last year, taking some classes and doing an internship down there. And I just decided one day, I'm going to start filming my day. And I've always been an avid watcher of YouTube, but I never really saw myself as a content creator because I'm not really technologically savvy you know I didn't really study videography or anything in school so one day I just thought you know might as well do something because I'm a little bit bored and I love YouTube and maybe people will like this and you know it's caught on way more than I actually thought it would and I don't want to oversimplify it but it is essentially what you just said it is you just talking about what you're doing It definitely is. And I think that's what I like about it is that it's not very complicated. And I think that's what other people like about it. We have gotten a lot of mentions where people feel like they're just hanging out with me. And that's kind of essentially what it is, is because I don't, you know, have special effects. It's more just like raw video of what I'm doing that day and how I'm feeling and stuff. So you have this instant success on YouTube and Instagram. It turns into a a career for you and a career where you get to travel to some really cool places. There aren't a whole lot of household names in track and field, but you get to hang out with the ones that are. It's been an unreal experience just being able to travel. Like this past weekend, I went to Jamaica, you know, hung out with Olympians. They're all Olympians, all the people I work with. And see them race and really connect with them because they kind of take me in as one of their own like I'm hanging out with them as if I'm an athlete there even in reality I'm just working but it's just been super exciting to you know see their side of the sport and get a little bit more involved in the professional aspect because that's not really something I really did research on before or even paid attention to like the business aspect of it so it's been a really cool experience being able to travel to you know the Caribbean Jamaica and Des Moines, Iowa this coming week. So, yeah. So to explain for anybody who doesn't know, Emma does social media for one of the best track and field agencies in the sport, which happens to be based here in the Atlanta area. And as a product of that, gets to go to some really cool meets, some really cool destinations. And who are some of the stars that you're helping build a social profile for? Some of our athletes, Lolo Jones, Clayton Murphy, Devin Allen, Asafa Powell, just to name a few. <laughs> Those are some big names. Asafa Powell, nobody's broken 10 seconds in the 100 meters more than him. Devin Allen, a recent standout at the University of Oregon and an Olympian. Everybody knows Lolo Jones. Really, <laughs> really a cool lineup of, of athletes. Definitely. Well, Emma, we love the real life runner moments that you share with us too on your YouTube channel. I actually have one here on tape. Listen to this. No stress, just chill. Well, recovery run. And the pollen is slowly killing J-Piz over here. (laughs) You're on a training run with a friend. You're dealing with pollen in Oregon. So how's the pollen in Atlanta compare for you on the runs here? (laughs) 
Well, when I first got here, there was yellow stuff all over my car, and I had no <laughs> idea what it was. And then people were, t- like, talking about the pollen count out here. But honestly, even in Eugene, when the pollen count was very high, and when I went to the Prefontaine class a couple weeks ago, people were dying all around me. But I have not been affected at all. Okay, like, that's I good news. I have itchy eyes every once in a while, but... Other than that, really nothing. I've been fine. (laughs) Well, how are the runs different for you here? I mean, we do have more, I think, hills probably than what you're used to. Definitely. I didn't really research what Atlanta running was like before I came here. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I didn't think that there were hills or that it was windy. And when I first got here... On my first run, I just remember having so many wind gusts and (laughs) just running straight up hills. And I was like, wow, this is a lot different. But I think it's just an extreme contrast to Eugene where it's very flat and I ran on Pree's Trail every single day. So it's probably best for my training that there's hills and that, you know, the weather's a little bit more challenging because it will push me Mm -hmm. a lot more than it did in Eugene where before even going on my run, I just knew how I was going to feel that day and what to expect. What's been the response to your training videos for Peachtree? And have you connected with anybody else who may be going through a similar process? It's been awesome. I know a lot of people are very engaged and people have said nothing but good things about Peachtree. All the people around me, they say, oh, you're going to have a blast. Or I have a lot of people, you know, DMing me on Instagram saying, oh, I'm running it too. And then I make sure to tell them to come say hi and stuff. And it'll just be awesome to see those people running alongside me too. And like coming up and saying, oh, I watched your videos. So It's just awesome to see, you know, the Atlanta community or people even from other states coming to run Peachtree. It's a huge event and I'm so excited to be a part. So as I mentioned, you had said on YouTube that you were done with competitive running. Those days were over after a successful career in high school and college. A a 1500 meter runner, would you call yourself, Myler? Definitely 1500. I think Mm -hmm. that was an event I ran 99% of the time. (laughs) Yeah. So 1500 meter runner and and a Myler for one of the best track and field programs in the country. And... You're done. You're just training for Peachtree. And just recently you announced on YouTube and on Instagram that you're joining Atlanta Track Club Elite. Did training for Peachtree sort of re-spark that competitive nature inside of you? Definitely. If you would ask me even probably six months ago if I would be in this position that I am right now, like continuing my post-collegiate career, I would have said absolutely not. I think I just really needed that break from the team environment, like just always having to race every week and having that pressure. And I've had it since I was a youth. So I think I just really needed a couple months just to train by myself and really figure out what I want to do after Peachtree, especially. Definitely, without a doubt in my mind, I'm excited to start running again. Well, running in the sense of like training for track being competitive again. So Peachtree definitely sparked that. And I'm really glad I signed up for it because I think it just got me connected and uh, on the right track for the future. We talk about how great of a competitive running career you had and will continue to have. But as I look at some of the people that are commenting on your videos or you're talking to on Instagram, these aren't necessarily competitive runners. You've found a way to be really relatable to anybody who likes to run, whether they're front of the pack, back of the pack or middle of the pack. How do you do that? It's just being real because everyone, no matter how good you are, at what level you're running at, everyone feels pain when they run. Running is a very hard sport and everyone goes through the highs and the lows regardless of what times that you're running. So I think just keeping it open and showing, you know, the younger athletes especially that 
running at an elite level is the same as basically running in high school. Like people are still the same people. You still have those highs. You still have those lows, the hard times, the good workouts, the bad workouts, everything. So I think just being very open with how I'm feeling and, you know, the trials and tribulations I've gone through throughout my career has just attracted a variety of different levels of running. I love that you took us along on one of your grocery runs recently on your YouTube videos. And uh, oh, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> I want to mm-hmm. ask you about nutrition, though, Emma, because I think a lot of us get kind of sucked into, OK, what should I be eating? And especially before a big race like Peachtree, I'm wondering, mm-hmm. how do you fuel yourself for those races? Any tips for the rest of us here? Just focusing on eating whole foods straight from the earth. That's definitely what I preach most of all. You know, limiting processed foods. It helps you energy-wise. It helps you recovery-wise. Honestly, it just helps you feel better, whether running or not. So that's definitely the biggest difference I've seen once I started shifting my nutrition towards really focusing on getting those fruits and vegetables in, like high-fiber grains, I think that just really transformed my running into a new level that I didn't have before, recovery-wise especially. But you haven't given up coffee. (laughs) No, definitely not. (laughs) We might have a cold brew Starbucks addiction going over there, but a lot of us can relate. (laughs) But I think that's the refreshing thing about your videos. Jay's right. You really appeal to runners of all types because we all go through these different struggles. And you've been very open recently, too, about just kind of the struggle with your training, too. I know you went to an all-comers meet. It's been several weeks ago now, but you were very honest about, okay, I just woke up today and, yeah, I decided to do this, but... You're very real about the ups and downs that you go through in running. Definitely. I think that's one of the things, especially over the last couple months with this huge transition in my life that I've made a point to talk about because I haven't really seen other people talk about it, but the transition from being on a team in college and having workouts like handed to you, having teammates to being on your own, training on your own, not really having many friends out here in Atlanta was a huge transition and I don't really know if I expected it to be as hard as it was and that's one of the reasons why I'm joining the elite team because I know I thrive when I have other members of the team you know chasing the same goals around me and that's definitely what's been hard is not having a training plan really for myself and trying to make the training for myself because I've never done that before Mm -hmm. so it's just been like a huge transition period. And I think a lot of people go through it. I've had a lot of people reach out to me on Instagram, people that are, you know, around my age transitioning to the adult world. It's just been cool to see people's response and people bearing with me in this transition part of my life. You respond to every one of those comments, every one of those questions. Sometimes there's hundreds of them. How do you find the time and how important is that to maintain your audience and to keep those people engaged? You know, I just make it a priority. Everyone has time in the day doing what they, you know, want to do or need to do. I think just engaging with your followers, that's what I love about social media is meeting new people, you know, listening to their stories, seeing like why they watch my YouTube videos because I always find that funny. So I think it's just awesome to have a connection with as many people around me and especially people that take the time, you know, to watch my videos and to comment on them. I just really appreciate that because it's just crazy to me because a year ago I wasn't even thinking about that. Well, it's been fun to follow your peach tree prep, but do you have any goal times in mind? Any goals for that day, Emma? As the day gets closer, I think I will, but Uh especially since I joined the elite team and I should probably talk with my coaches now about (laughs) what they want me to do. Definitely just run as close to in the low sixes per mile 
as I can. I've heard it's a very challenging course, so, you know, we'll see what it has to offer. I've heard great things about it. I've heard that second half is uh, definitely a tough one, and especially just getting out there and have fun. I, I know a lot of people have told me crazy things that I've never even experienced in a 10K happen on the course, so I'm excited to see what's in store. Will the cameras be there? The camera mm. will definitely be there. <laughs> we'll look forward to that uh, after most of us finish the race on July 4th. But welcome to Atlanta, Emma. And Jay, from your perspective at Atlanta Track Club, it has to be really nice having someone with this kind of energy right there on your team. Yeah, you know, it's such a great group of already really energetic, enthusiastic people. And adding Emma is just going to really bolster that chemistry and bolster that excitement that I think is really built around, around our elite team. As we've mentioned on the podcast before, we've got six people qualified for the 2020 Olympic marathon trials. So the team is certainly on the rise and we're really excited to have Emma be a part of it. And Emma, for those who haven't been following your videos or haven't found you online yet, where can we find you? On YouTube, you can just search Emma Abrahamson in the search bar. And on Instagram, it's just at Emma Abrahamson. So those are my two main platforms that I post on. You definitely want to check out her progress in her Peachtree prep. We love the videos. And thanks for joining us here on the Peachtree Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Cliff Bar is one of our great sponsors here on the Peachtree Podcast. As an athlete, you need nutrition for sustained energy. Cliff Bar can help. Cliff Bars taste great and are made with a nutritious blend of organic rolled oats and wholesome ingredients to keep you feeling and performing your best. Whether an hour at the gym or all day on course, Cliff Bar helps you feed your adventure. Stop by the Cliff Bar booth at the expo and try the new sweet and salty. Well, we'd love to hear from any of our listeners this week. If you have any last-minute questions about the AJC Peachtree Road Race, you can reach out to us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And one of our listeners uh, reached out to us on Twitter this week, Jay, and agreed with you, Atlanta is best seen on foot. I think that's really the fun part for a lot of us with the AJC Peachtree Road Race. On July 4th, you notice things about the city that you've never really seen before. Yeah, you know, I say that about every city. I think any place that you go is best seen on foot, but Atlanta, especially, first of of all, because if you're on foot in Atlanta, you're probably moving faster than the cars at any given True. time of the day. And second of all, there's just so many things that people don't realize to see here in Atlanta. Atlanta truly is a city. When I first moved here three years ago, that I have explored mile by mile on foot, and it's been the best way to see it. I know a lot of locals want to get into this race. A lot of out-of-town people want to get into this race. And I've noticed on social media in the last couple of weeks, especially, Jay, people are reaching out and saying, hey, anyone have a number for me? What's the best way to go about that at this point, though? Yeah, there's really only one way to get an entry into the Peachtree at this point. Charity numbers are closed. Uh, any promotional deals have ended. However, you can take part in our number transfer system, and that's if you can't run the race if you, something came up, you can reach out to people on social media and then go to atlantatrackclub.org, click on the Peachtree link at the top of the page and follow the instructions for the number transfer. That's the only way to legally do it. And what it is, is I take my number and I transfer it into your name and then you have that number. It's the best way to do it. It's the only way to legally still be involved in our race. Any other way you're considered a bandit will disqualify you from the event. And that's really for safety purposes. We yeah. need to know who that number belongs to should anything happen on the course. So the number transfer system, it's open online. And then again at the Peachtree Health and Fitness Expo on July 2nd. A lot of us are also planning our logistics now for race day. We're put in the training, but uh, when it comes to race day itself, Jay, anything that we need to understand when it comes to getting there and uh, getting set and having a safe race on the 4th of July? 
Yeah, a reminder that our race is starting in half an hour early this year. So your start time that you've started in every year previous, move that time back a half an hour. So that means move everything back a half an hour. And yes, Marta is going to start at 4.30 this year. Plan accordingly. Remember, you're one of 60,000. So get there early, get in your start corral early. And again, half hour early this year. So just shift everything back. The good news is you finish a half an hour earlier as well. So that's more time to one, stay away from the heat and the humidity, but two, start your post-race party a little bit earlier this year. <laughs> uh, other thing you really need to know is no backpacks. We'll be okay. strictly enforcing a no backpack rule at the start line this year. So please leave your bags at home. It's just a safety measure that we've worked with local law enforcement on and uh, there won't be any bags allowed on the course. This has always been the case, but it's really going to be enforced this year. So can't stress enough to just leave that bag at home. Well, again, join us for some more last minute tips and reminders right here next week on the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. You've been listening to the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Thanks to this week's sponsors. For more information, visit atlantatrackclub.org. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ATL Track Club. A DYJ Media Production.